he ended up hitting her so hard with the hammer, his farrier hammer, that there was a welt that lasted for days on her uh, butt, <laughs> on her little booty. And um, I actually, as soon as he did that, he like, he had done two and a half feet and that was it. He was done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I just was like, nope, we're not doing the rest of this today. Welcome to the Horsewoman Project, a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman, from relationships to truck issues, taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses. Good morning. Good morning. So tell me all the things about pushing cows with Sandy. Oh my gosh. So Yesterday, I try to take the horses somewhere every Tuesday because my husband has school till super late. So it's really easy for me to just be like, okay, well, this is my day that I can for sure get a ride in because I'm not feeling guilty about not spending time with him because he's got class till late. So I trailer them up to this place and my great uncle, just as I get to, to the gate where the trails are, my great uncle is coming down off the mountain in a tractor just feeding his cows. And he comes out and he just like, he's funny. He's one of those like old cowboys. He comes out and he's watching me unload my horses. He's like, you know, you can only ride one horse at a time. I was just like, oh, I was like, actually, you'd be pretty surprised at what I can do with two horses. He's like, okay. And then he's like, so do you want a job? And I'm sitting there going like a job job or what are you talking about? So I was like, well what do you want done? And he's like, you see this group of cows and there's like 20 cows. Could you push them over that mountain for me? And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. So, and then he like looks at my dogs and he's petting them. He's like, oh yeah, if you just put these dogs out on them, they'll just go right for you. And I'm like, uh-huh. Cause if you know my dogs, my dogs are scared of cows, like, <laughs> scared of cows. Definitely not cattle dogs. <laughs> oh no. They're like, when we walk them down and we're by a field with cows, they go to the opposite side of me. They're like, ah. <laughs> so like, people. right. I'm like, yeah, they will be so much help. You know? <laughs> like, okay. So he's like, well, I'll be watching. If you don't get them over the saddle of this hill, I'll, I'll come up with my dogs and I'll just get them. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. I'm like, I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. But my Mustang Comanche, like, I don't think he's ever pushed cows or done anything with cows. Uh-huh. And you know, the few times we've had him, he kind of gets like high necked, like, hmm, what are these things, you know? <laughs> I was like, well, this might be interesting because when I take them on trail rides, I just tie his rope around his neck and he just gets to run free and do whatever the heck he wants because he just follows us. Nice. So I was like, well, we'll see how this goes. Like, you go one of two directions. It could either just be fine and he sticks right by me or he could completely freak out, take off with the herd of cows. And then it might just be a long night. I guess I'll see what happens. (laughs) Might be an adventure. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. So get in there with the cows. And it was hilarious. Because at first Comanche was just like, what are we doing? Like, I'm not sure about this. And then he was like, oh my gosh, we're chasing these things? (laughs) We get to chase these things? And he was like a dog. So I'm behind the cows and then he goes like to the left of me and is hurting them from the left. And then he switches over and comes and gets ones that are straggling and like pushes them up. And I'm like, what the heck is this? (laughs) I'm just like giggling so bad. And then he starts to really get excited. So then he takes them and 
runs them up the hill. <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> so Sandy starts getting excited and I'm laughing so hard that she hits this bush and I about come off. And I'm like, <laughs> like, well, cause I was like, oh, I hope I can get like a video of this. And like, there was no chance. Cause by the, by that time, Sandy's like getting into it. And she's all excited. She <laughs> loped off twice because she wanted to. That tells you how excited she was. <laughs> and then we get up to the top of the hill and Comanche's committed. Like he's, he's going to chase these cows down the hill. So he keeps running. I'm like, Comanche, come back. You know, cause at this point it's like the cows can just find their way down to where they need to be. And he kind of like stops a little bit, looks at me like, what? I'm like, we're not going that way anymore. Like, come on. And he actually came right back and was like, okay. So then we go, we go riding and there's, there's quite a few cows down in this area. I think there's probably two or three ranchers who have cows down here. So we're riding down this trail and we pass another group of cows and Comanche barrels after them. Like, okay, I've got my job. And I'm like, no, like, leave the cows no, the job is over. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I, I don't think he's ever pushed cows. I mean, he's mm-hmm. seen them like we, when we've gone on rides, but I know I've never taken him to push cows and it was hilarious. Yeah. So. Isn't it great to see that like driving part of their personality oh, of, yes. like that they can move things. They're like, I can push things away from me. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. I giggled so much yesterday. It was just a nice <laughs> ride altogether, but that, that like made my week. <laughs> that's fun. Well, and that's why you like take those opportunities, right? When someone's like, Hey, you want to do something instead of being like, no, that sounds like it could maybe go wrong. It's like, sure, like, right, we'll try it. Sure. I know. Though yeah. it is funny to watch him. Like he just has so much fun being loose. Like gallops through the bushes. He'll take off one direction and then gallop straight back at us. You know, like, <laughs> like he definitely like milks it. Like he loves it. Yeah. So. Does it make Sandy like roll her eyes essentially when he comes running at her? A little bit. Yeah. She's just like. Like she'll get kind of concerned if he if he looks like he's not coming back, and she'll be like, "Uh, mom, we need to go that way." And I'm like, "Nah, he'll come. (laughs) It's fine." And then it's funny because he is he tends to go a little bit slower, but when he really goes, he's actually quite quick and is quite Mm -hmm. like quite a bit faster than Sandy. But most of the time, he just like lollygags behind us, and the dogs stick with him because he's going slower. So they'll they'll stay by him. He's like, I'm a dog, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm part of the pack. (laughs) Oh, any other fun things you did this week? My nephew was born on the thirtieth, so we went up and had like a little birthday party for him. That's about all we did this week. It was fun. My my nieces and nephews are so cute. How about you? Oh, our Halloween was so fun. Thea, she's six and she was a unicorn witch. Oh, that's awesome. So her hat <laughs> had a horn and ears on it. And uh-huh. Trip was Hulk Smash. <laughs> and he's eight. So. Oh, I love it. But they're so fun. They were just running from house to house to house. And I had to just be like, wait, because we had some like little teeny kids in our group. So oh. we're like, we have to wait for the little tiny ones because they can't run as fast as you. And they're just running. I'm like, you can't get like five houses ahead. Right. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. Yeah, it was way fun. And then of course I went to the Luke Gingrich clinic. Oh, yes. You have to tell us all about this. 
it was amazing. It was great. Um, so for people who don't know who he is, he does liberty work. Um, <clears throat> he does performance liberty. And it was just so fun. I brought my horse Hickory, who I have not done an ounce of liberty work with. I'm like, all right, we're going to have like a fresh start. And I've only ever kind of messed around with it with two horses. So it's not something I'm amazing at, <laughs> but it's definitely something that like draws me. And um, I just love giving the horse a choice and being able to learn how to motivate them when they have the choice to leave a little bit more um, versus, you know, having that halter to kind of like block their exit and be like, no, stay here, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's just such a different way of working with them. And Oh, it's just so neat learning the the nuances of how to communicate with their hip and their shoulder and their nose with different placements of the whip. And oh my goodness, in one session, I was just <laughs> I was just <laughs> laughing at myself because I was trying to. We were working online because, of course, we have several mm -hmm. horses in the arena, so we can't all be right. at liberty yet. And um, I was just, you know, between the halter and one whip and the other whip. And I'm not super familiar with working with two whips. I've done it a little bit, but not in a very educated way. It was kind of more of a, just like trying to figure things out and playing mm -hmm. on my own kind of way. Mm -hmm. and it was so funny because he was like left. And then I did right or right. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like a beginner. So many things to think about. And you don't realize it because when you're in your own techniques mm -hmm. and uh, you have a little more of like that muscle memory and of like familiarity with the techniques, you're able to read the horse a lot better and um, notice all of their little behavioral nuances, like ear flicks and things. But it was, it was interesting to me because when I was trying so hard to focus on myself and be like, okay, I need to angle this whip like this and I need to hold this whip up here and I need to hold the halter like this uh, or the lead rope. Um, I was tuning almost tuning out the horse because I was so focused on technique mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden Luke said <clears throat> for me to stop and I was actually about to like ask one more step of the horse and he was like no stop 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 and he's <laughs> like did you, he did this and I was like actually no, no. <laughs> I was like so like okay I'm looking and I was just looking at body parts mm -hmm. versus looking at the whole horse and it was just interesting when you learn new techniques to see like how my brain shifted so much more into technique versus reading right. my horse. So yeah, it was, it was super fun, super educational and I would do it again. It was fun. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's going to give you so much more empathy for the like clinics you teach too, to be like, oh yeah, that's what these people are going to be like <laughs> when I'm teaching my oh, clinics. Yeah yep oh that uh, sounds like so much fun it like overall it was a successful weekend for you and yeah I'm glad you had the opportunity to go and that you got to take a horse because I know you were thinking about just auditing at first and then yeah. they had a cancellation so that's awesome I know when I asked them and they're like oh we're full for participants I was like man you know shucks <laughs> and then like three days before the clinic they're like we had a cancellation do you want to come and I was like yes absolutely <laughs> I absolutely do. I am coming with the horse <laughs> no I love it liberty work is so fun but yeah you're right like learning how to coordinate the two whips can be so difficult but yeah. once you get it down man it's so helpful because it just makes things so like that much more clear right yeah. to the horse so and that's really mostly what I took from it was how to be very clear in exactly what you want and exactly how you handle the whips. So mm -hmm. it like 
tons of just clarity of yeah whip placement and yep. the way you move your arm versus like overhand versus sideways and yeah mm -hmm. lots and lots of things so yep it all was, means different things <laughs> oh yeah and like to me it was like i had always mostly just used like whip means go and depending on yeah. where i'm pointing it it just means one part of your body mm -hmm. but it's there's so much more to it you know yeah. which of course there is right like i knew there right. was <laughs> Well, it's different, like when you learn and when you put yourself in that opportunity to be a student. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I got to have the roles reversed. So instead of me being the clinician, I got to be the student. <laughs> yes. And sometimes that's so good. I don't know about you, but like I love teaching. Teaching is definitely one of my favorite things to do. But sometimes you get to that point where it feels like you aren't progressing your own skills, yeah. where you're like just, stuck at this spot <laughs> and you feel confident bringing people to this spot but to get them further away from that spot can be harder and i mean there is that position too like with coaching and things and coaching people to ride where i could probably take somebody maybe a level ahead because i understand the techniques i understand how to get them there and what it should look like but for me to perform it isn't yeah. as close to there and that's definitely it with my coaching and vaulting I can't do all the things, you know, very well. I'm not that flexible. I, you, my, my balance is a little bit more off, but taking kids through that is, is easier, but there's still that, that aspect of it where it's like, I want to learn more, you know, yeah. I want to have my own skills. And I feel like as a trainer and instructor, you don't often get that because you're, you're stuck with, with the students and the, and the horses you yeah. have. You know, it's you like, you're progress. almost stuck in that teacher role. Yeah. But it's so fun. I mean, this year there have been more opportunities for me. There, there aren't a lot of clinicians that come to Utah. I don't know why. Um, but this year, Ward Schiller came to Utah and Luke Gingrich came to Utah. So I went to both of those clinics and I wasn't a participant in the Warwick one, but um, it was definitely still worth going as an auditor. And I definitely learned some things I'm applying. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm really hoping more clinicians keep coming here because I'm right. like, I want, I want to go participate in every single one of them so I can learn so much more. So yes, learning is so good. It is. And it's so needed. So yeah. needed. Yeah. <laughs> well, should we jump into our topic for the day? Yes. We're going to talk everything, farrier, hooves, but I did kind of want to preface what we're doing today because we are not professional farriers by any means. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. And we just wanted to share like our stories, but we know that there are good farriers out there. We know that there are not so good farriers out there. So we're just sharing like our experiences and things that maybe you can look out for or maybe experiences that you can draw from. And hopefully mm -hmm. it's helpful. And maybe a little entertaining. So I just wanted to preface <laughs> it with that. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's a lot of things that some people just really don't even consider. Like they don't even think about it. Like it was like that video you sent me the other day and you're like, I can't believe this is the first time I've heard about this with the saddle pads. You oh know, gosh, yes. I only just hear about this. And I feel like some people feel that way with the hooves and they just don't know what they don't know. So I feel like yeah, don't feel like we're picking on anybody. We're more just sharing our experiences, what we've learned from it, so that hopefully we can help other people learn what we've learned. And, you know, if, if they have stories they can share, the things that they've learned, I would love to get emails too. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. If you have anything, 
email us. <laughs> we are always open to sharing more stories or learning more because we do not know everything and that is for dang sure. So <laughs> <laughs> do you want to start with maybe a story you have um, of either like a farrier, just a farrier experience that you have? Being a trainer, I guess my biggest thing that I have come up against with, well, one of the things with farriers is just finding a farrier that has patience. Um, because most of the time, because of what I do, I'm mainly a cult starter. It's usually horses first chewings or first trimmings when they come to me. Um, and so I have gone through a few <laughs> farriers over the years and had issues of everything from um, them being rasped in the belly. And I mean, the worst case scenario was a the farrier. First of all, he tried to twist the horse's ear, which I absolutely will mm. not allow. <laughs> and I said, whoa, 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 you are, you are not allowed to do that. And he had kind of come in with this like, oh, attitude for the day and I was like or okay, he's already something. just angry about something yeah and I was like okay something's going on in his life which you guys farriers are human like yeah. cut him a little slack yes <laughs> they have bad days too um but with that being said after he tried to twist the horse's ear um he just wasn't allowing her time to think or process so she was just escalating and escalating and I kept being like okay like give her a second and and um he ended up hitting her so hard with the hammer, his farrier hammer, that there was a welt that lasted for days on her uh, butt, <laughs> on her little booty. And um, I actually, as soon as he did that, he like, he had done two and a half feet and that was it. He was done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I just was like, nope, we're not doing the rest of this today. And so I think that's kind of been the biggest thing for me is just trying to find someone that is willing to be patient with these cults um, and with horses in general. But I think a big reason for that is because so many people expect farriers to get underneath a horse that is not ready to oh. have things done. And so these farriers, they get rightfully like defensive and they, they get in these moods where they, I mean, would you want to get underneath an animal that's going to kick at you? that weighs a thousand pounds, of course you wouldn't. Like, why are you gonna throw your farrier under there? So I think part of like that bad attitude that farriers can get with working with young horses or less experienced horses is because people don't prepare them and they have lots of bad experiences. And um, one more thing really quick and then I'll let you share something. <laughs> but I remember one farrier, uh, the first time I had him over, he was working on a horse that was, she was very leery of new people and she, so she needed like just for him to bond with her for a few minutes and just walk up and pet her before just like going to work. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I asked him, I'm like, will you just like stand here and pet her for a minute and just like, you know, get her to settle down with you and, and know that you're, you're not going to hurt her. And he's like, he like looked at me with this weird look and he's like, wow, like, yeah, absolutely. I'll do that. Most of the time what I get is get to work peasant. And they just shove <laughs> me under the horse. <laughs> <laughs> like that was his verbiage was peasant. Oh, <laughs> like, man. 
well, it's like, why are we treating barriers that way of just like no, throwing right. underneath these horses that are not ready? Um, so kind of a both sides of that story there of like, mm-hmm. you know, give your farrier a little bit of slack, work with your horse, but also make sure you don't allow farriers to beat on horses and create lifelong um, anxiety around shoeing. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I remember when that happened. And yeah. like when she says, well, guys, it was literally the shape of the hammer. Like it was obvious that it was a hammer. Yeah, and you can it was see the outline of a hammer. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was awful. And this particular, because I was working for Camry at this time, and this particular horse, it was, it was like, oh, we were so outraged <laughs> because yeah. we had worked so hard on getting her to just be cool, you know, with it, because she, she was having a hard time with her feet, anyways. Yeah. And, oh, it was just not, not cool. Um, I wanted to ask though, so. And this is something when I think about that situation, it's like, okay, obviously, yes, he's off the property. He doesn't get to come back. But what do we do as horse owners, as horse professionals, when something like that happens? Because that that is a pretty extreme example, right? Yeah, that's the most extreme I've had over the last, you know, 10 years. <laughs> yeah, and that's the most extreme I've ever seen. So uh, but in that situation, is there something that you feel like we are obligated to do other than just throw them off our property? Or what do you, what are your thoughts there? Cause I've been like, I've thought about that. And, um, at that time I had shown one of my clients that picture. I was like, oh my gosh, can you believe this? And they're like, oh my gosh, you need to call animal control. You need to do this. And I'm like, is that even a thing like that we can do? Like, so I, I would love to just hear your thoughts on, on that. Um, honestly, I don't know that it would be helpful. I mean, if there's like, if it's repeated, cause this farrier had worked for me for call a year and a half, two years, mm-hmm. and he had progressively gotten a little bit worse, but I mean, it was for the most part, an isolated incident. Like, it's not like he treated every single horse this way. And like you said, this horse that we were working with, that he did that with, she needed lots of time to like decompress between moments of worry or she would just escalate and that that's what had happened is he just wasn't giving her that time to like like yeah settle but we were kind of on a time crunch because she was going lame so we needed to she's getting foot sore so we needed to you know bring her feet up on shoes so that she could be sound Mm -hmm. so it was kind of like well we got her as prepared as we could with what we were given um but in any case um I didn't say anything. However, there were a couple people because I did, without mentioning his name, right. um, I did post about it on and just kind of made a post similar to like what we're talking about today. Of yeah. Like, Prepare yeah. your horse and like because this is what happens when barriers get frustrated because you throw them underneath all these dangerous mm-hmm. horses, um, <clears throat> and then also like make sure you get a good farrier. Um, but then a couple people, after I posted that, they approached me, um, and asked me and they said, um, I think this is the same barrier that I am working with right now. Can you like, let me know who it is. And so like privately I did, you know, if people wanted to make sure that they were, um, getting a barrier that wasn't going to be hot tempered like that and, or, you know, and, or they didn't want the current barrier they were working with to be someone Mm -hmm. that would do that kind of a thing. I did speak with people privately, but only if I was asked and 
you know, we all have bad days to a point. And like, yes, that was a very, very bad day. (laughs) Uh, But I think if, if it's repeated and if it's like, they're doing it with every horse every time. And, um, and that, then I definitely think um, it should be reported (laughs) to animal control because that is animal abuse. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty, I mean, he, if, if that would have been to the face instead of the butt, oh, oh. He'd be at the bet. I mean, she, you know, I mean, yeah. there's, there's no question. Um, so it's kind of a, a tricky, uh, right. area to navigate. <laughs> well, it is hard to, cause I used that farrier for a couple of years as well. And like you said, when I first started with him, he was my favorite farrier. Like, yeah, because he, really, he really took the time, and he was the first farrier who like went to the vet with me to look at X-rays and to talk to the vet. And I just was so impressed by that. And yeah. then he just progressively just—you could tell there was something going on in his life, right? So I agree with you, and I I like the way that you kind of thought that through because one, this is his livelihood, right? Yes. Absolutely. And you don't want one time where who knows what happened in his life. Cause obviously he came with mm-hmm. something and yeah. I, you would hate for this one time. I mean, obviously he's not allowed back at your place. Right. But this one incident that he's had to completely ruin his career. Exactly. Um, yeah. But so, but it is, it's just such a sticky situation. Cause like, yeah. oh, you know, like, what do you do? You how do you, how do you handle this? You know? Yeah. Um, but it is interesting just to kind of think about that because because it is true we all have bad days you know there are many times yeah. where I'm, I look back at a situation I'm like oh my gosh like I should not have reacted that way I yeah. shouldn't have done that and and it's okay to look back on those things and obviously you know there's there's escalations and then there's escalations so yeah. um yeah it's definitely a little bit different but yeah yeah I love that story um just so we can like talk about it that way because there's probably lots of people who are going to come up with something like that and I can 100% agree prepare your horse if you're too scared to pick up your horse's feet and pick them out you Mm -hmm. should not be expecting somebody to go underneath them yeah like at all and you also like there's one one horse I dealt with once that a client had that it was just kind of a wreck after a wreck after a wreck but she was so bad with her feet like it wasn't her feet as much as it was she was scared of the hoof stand so metal janging was super Mm -hmm. scary to her and he couldn't get farriers to come back because she was like that and so I had gone and just trimmed her feet just very very basic because I trimmed my own horse's feet because she was just in a place where she needed that but it took me probably two hours to do this horse because I couldn't use my hoof stand you know I had to hold Mm -hmm. it up and and go around and when I did that and I took that time to just hey I understand that you're kind of scared of this I do not have the time to work through this with you um but I will take the time to just make you more comfortable It, it made a big difference but then this this owner and I I don't know the full situation but he had another guy come out and the guy set the hoof stand down and the horse kicked the hoof stand and, you know, <sighs> it goes flying. And this guy, like this farrier flipped out, which I like, yeah, hundred percent, like flip out. Yeah. That's okay. Like to be like, I'm not getting under this horse is yeah, 100% yeah. okay. 
but the thing I think there is if you have a horse with repeated issues, you know, I think you have an obligation to say, hey, this is exactly what's going on. This is how mm-hmm. it has worked for this gal to trimmer. And yeah, you do need to expect to pay extra. Like, don't be upset if that fairy goes, okay, it's going to be an extra $75 because it's going to take yeah. me an extra hour to get your horse done if I have to do it this way, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So definitely be, I feel like you should prepare your farriers coming in exactly what this horse has been doing, what you've been working on with this horse, because you are putting them in an extremely dangerous spot. Like not even are they under a horse that they could be kicked, but they're putting their body in a position to, for injury, like for extreme injury. If your horse even just twitches funny, they could throw their back out, you know? So they deserve to come in and feel safe underneath your horse. So definitely. Mm -hmm definitely prepare your horse. And if you're too scared, that's a good sign that, Hey, you need some extra help and you need to be willing to pay for that extra help as well. Yeah. And so that actually leads me to another suggestion, um, for people, because I think a lot of people would be like, well, I've been working with my horse, but they're still not ready, but they need their feet done. Uh, that's when you use sedation in my opinion. So for instance, I had this mare, um, that, I knew she was going to be a a, kind of a beast for the farrier, (laughs) but she was having some laminitis issues that we were having to deal with to like have to corrective shoe some things to, to fix things. And she needed to be able to hold very still so that we could be very precise and not just like Mm -hmm. slap a shoe on there. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, and so I opted to sedate her, um, because I didn't, number one, I didn't want a similar situation happening to where, you know, hammer print, right? Right. With that horse, I did not think needed sedation as long as she had time to decompress. But right. anyway, um, so that's kind of where you, a lot of us in, like a lot of us these days, I feel like are very into the horse comes first, right? We, we mm-hmm. listen to our horses and we, we value what they think, but here's a big but with this human safety comes before horse safety or horse mental anything human safety always comes first always like no matter what yeah (laughs) you can't just say well but my horse needs to not be sedated and they need to be no like if your horse is to a point where they are going to be dangerous to your farrier but you still need farrier work done Mm -hmm. you pay for sedation that is the ethical thing to do it is the kind thing to do um you will keep your farrier around longer if you are able to treat them that way where you value their safety. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing where it's like, yes, your horse does come first, but you know, even if, you know, you have six to eight weeks between trimmings, shoeings, uh, you know, on average for most people. And if you still haven't gotten your horse good enough in that six to eight weeks, that's your, your option to yeah. make sure you're very safe. So, yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. <laughs> it's just funny. Cause in any other situation, who would you expect to come and, and put their life at risk for a service? Yeah. You know, for like $75 or whatever. It is. Yeah. Or, you know, some places like around here, it's cheaper, but you know, 120 up yeah. just two hours North of here. Yeah. Like, that's not worth your livelihood for $120. No, no, no. Like you're asking <laughs> this person to come in and I mean, within five seconds, they could be so injured that their life is changed with your horse, yes. you know? And yep. yeah, 100%. If, if that means your horse has to be sedated or, or something else, you do the thing. I mean, because one, 
sedating the horse is going to keep the horse safer too, you know? Yes. And yes. So yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no question there. Uh, I do think that sedation should not be a long-term thing. Oh yeah. Uh, and I think some people use sedation like they're just like, oh, my horse just gets sedated every time. And I think that means you're not really doing the work you need to put the work in so that your horse feels comfortable with their feet mm -hmm. um because number one it's going to save you a boatload of money across that horse's lifetime right. <laughs> of like having to sedate them because yeah that that's an extra cost there right um but it's just when the horses feel comfortable with all the parts of their body they're a better horse right in their well, riding and in their handling and everything else it's not just for the barrier it's going to benefit you too to have your horse good with their feet hundred percent. Well, and then if you need your horse to date it every time the farrier comes over, how often are you actually picking out their feet? How often are you actually like looking at any issues that might be at their feet? Cause we're going to get into this, like how much the feet are really important to the overall well-being of the yes. horse. Um, but if you're having to sedate it every time, that just is a good sign that you are not handling that horse's feet enough. And mm -hmm. granted, if you're too scared to do it, that's when hire Camry. You know, hire a trainer, yeah, a trainer. <laughs> who is willing to do that and is going to spend that time with your horse in a safe manner because, so, like, sometimes you don't know what to do either. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. be willing to spend the money to hire a trainer so you are safe and so your farrier is safe when they come to your home. Yeah. Yep. Um, I guess that is a really good lead into why do we care about the feet? <laughs> you know, why are we even having this conversation? Do you want to start with some experiences you've had as far as either messed up feet or whatever? And then I can kind of tell some of mine. Yeah. So your horse's feet, like that is the foundation. That is what all their weight lands on. It is what leads to everything else in their body. Um, and you would be, not you, because you've experienced it, but I think most people would be surprised how many people bring their horse to training with me with shit feet. And the owners are like, oh, they're sound right now. Like, they're good. Okay, are they in a five-day-a-week training program? Because as soon as I start putting that much work onto the horse, that much time, and then my weight, that imbalance is going to start creating imbalances upward into mm -hmm. the body. So the, the first horse that comes to mind with that is a horse who, um, she's very good mover, um, doing great. And then she started dropping her hips when we were riding and just kind of like her back end, which just dropped down. I'm like, okay, something's off here. What's going on. So we go to the vet, get her looked at. She has stifle issues. And like, I mean, like you would even touch her stifles and she would squeal and kick. Mm. And so she was really sore in her stifles and it all had to do with the imbalance of her hooves in her hind feet mm -hmm. because she was higher on the ins inside, if I remember right, inside. Um, and so she was raised on the inside like, yeah, it's just way off balance. And, um, and, and so that imbalance made her move differently to where she, um, compensated with different body parts of trying to move, even though she was imbalanced. I mean, think about if you were to wear shoes that were higher on the outside that were tipped up like this, mm -hmm. that would create so many issues for you. Like your hips would start hurting, your back would start hurting and your knees would probably hurt. Your and ankles. that's what was happening. 
Yeah, that's what was happening to her. She was having all of this pain that traveled upward because of the way she had was forced to move because of how her feet were balanced, or I should say imbalanced, <laughs> um, that created all of these patterns. And it went all the way up into her hips. I had to have her chiropractically adjusted because her hips got sore. So she was sore in her hocks, her stifles, and her hips, all because mm-hmm. of her feet. Mm-hmm. And, and so things just all compensated because of that. And, and so you don't realize, like, it's not just slapping a shoe on. Like, a lot of people are just like, oh, it's just to get their foot off the ground. It, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter who throws it on. Like, I can throw on my own shoe. And with some horses, yes, you can kind of get away with that. They're a little more... I don't know, a little more forgiving with their bodies, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Some horses just don't go as lame as others, but some of them are so, and most of them, I think, are so susceptible to balance issues with their feet that are going to cause either short-term, like with this horse, we were able to rehab her and I was able to kind of um, work through some things, get her going over some cavalettis that helped her build up that strength. And I got a corrective shoer out to kind of help fix the issue. And she just had her second trimming since that happened and she's doing so much better um no more squealing with the stifles she's the soreness is almost completely gone um so you know with her not a long-term issue but still that took two trimmings so that was they were about seven weeks apart and she still needs one more before we fully get her back to balance right um and so it was it's just kind of crazy how much it can affect everything in your Mm -hmm. horse. Um, so don't, don't think that, Oh, it's just not a big deal. Oh, it's nothing. Oh, the horses sound when they're out to pasture. Um, you know, you have to think about what kind of work are they going to be in and what, um, what else is this going to affect for their feet to be in this manner, whether it's, you know, barefoot, long, short feet, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I mean, even with that, like, think about, okay, here's a horse, horses that come to you, right? They're colts. Very rarely are they really worked before they get to your house. I mean, if they are, they're touched on the ground a little bit, maybe they go for like a walk with them around the pasture for halter training or something, but that's like the majority of what they get. So think about you starting a new exercise routine, right? Like you go from being pretty sedentary, you get to eat whatever you want sometimes, and then all of a sudden you're lifted out of that place of comfort. You're put into like this boot camp where you have to learn how to mentally handle things. You have to, all of a sudden you're running for, well, not, you know, running, but you're moving and you're having to do lots of different things for at least an hour a day, if not longer. And then you're also expected to all of a sudden lift and move at the same time, you know, so not, not only are they going to get muscle soreness, but if their feet aren't able to support that, it's just going to ruin everything. I mean, think about like, okay, you are lifted up and you're put into boot camp. You're going to the army boot camp and they give you high heels to do everything in. Yep. You know, like it, <laughs> it would make the experience 10 times worse. So yes, take yeah. care of your feet and don't expect it to just be good. And I grew up around people who the feet's kind of that last thing, like, oh yeah, if the shoe flies off, that's when, that's when we get, you know, the fairy. <laughs> but otherwise you wait until the shoe flies off. And <laughs> honestly, like, it's kind of sad, but that is 100%. 
how I grew up around the people that I grew up with who had horses, all the old cowboys, any of the farmers that I rode with, they literally only if the shoe came off. That is the only time. There were some who their horses got shoes once a year and then they'd fall off in the winter. And then next spring, the farrier came out, trimmed them and put shoes on and then they lasted all year. That, that was it. Yeah. So (laughs) I've seen a lot of overgrown feet um, but that's also what I grew up with too, you know? So it was really interesting to me going to college and learning about feet and being like, oh, <laughs> like, we actually have to do a little bit more than what we are doing mm-hmm. um, with them. And it's just, yeah, it's interesting. So I've had lots of almost trauma <laughs> around, <laughs> around my horse's feet. I had a a warm blood he was my vaulting horse that oh my gosh just loved him to death big old warm blood what was he 17 to oh yeah he's huge yeah big guy loved him to death but when I got him and I got him knowing this he had navicular issues and was just lame quite a bit and I had had the opportunity to train him for vaulting and to really work with him for years before I I got him I acquired him and it was just Oh, it was such a hard battle with this horse because he just, there were some days where it was good and some days where it was awful and going back and forth, like, okay, when is the right time to put this horse down? Like, when is his quality of life so bad that we have to just make that leap? And I finally just got really frustrated at one point with how his feet were and just, it just didn't feel right. Right. Cause his feet were super elongated. They just looked squished. His frogs were maybe a half an inch thick, maybe hmm. if you looked at his frogs, like just squished. And I remember asking like some of the farriers are working. I'm like, is this normal? Like, I like, shouldn't they be wider? Shouldn't they be bigger? Cause I'd really started to look into feet with him because I just, you know, wanted him to feel good. Yeah. And I finally found found somebody who was a big proponent of barefoot feet and I grew up barefoot feet was like not okay you don't do barefoot <laughs> feet you put shoes on that horse and even before then too I had been around horses um, at, at a barn that I helped manage where half of the horses were barefoot and half of them had shoes on and it all depended on who happened to have like I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how it worked, but one person, there was, there's three managers, um, like the head manager and then two assistants. And I was one of the assistants. And if the head manager loved the horses, loved these particular horses, they were barefoot. And if she didn't care, then they had shoes on. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just interesting. Um, I mean, and she, she cared about all the horses, but that's just kind of how it worked. So the one assistant was very much the horses got shoes unless unless this lady had had a handle on them but one issue I saw with the barefoot horses is they had duck feet you know they splayed out they clopped mm-hmm. on the ground they, they just were not very well balanced and that was just something I'd watched and I'm like oh like this is a pain and we'd take him out on trail rides and we'd have to put boots on them and the boots would fall off every five minutes so we were constantly unmounting and having to pick up the foot in the middle of a trail put it back on and it was just like this is not worth it 
not mm. worth it. So I had already come in going, okay, barefoot is stupid. Like you don't, why would you do barefoot? Right. <laughs> so at this point with Gabe, um, he was my warm blood. I was desperate at this. Like I would do anything at this point because it was either do anything or put him down is where we were at with him. So I was like, okay, like we'll try it. If it doesn't work, then I know like it's just time. So I had this gal come out and I'd been talking to her back and forth a little bit because she mentors, she mentors people to how, like how to trim and, and how to do barefoot trimming and things. And I had shared pictures of, of my horse, just shared my like frustrations of please someone help me. And she just finally ended up private messaging me. She's like, I can't tell you how messed up your horse's feet are. Like they are bad. And I had done it the day that my farrier had just put on brand new shoes and just came to trim everything because it just mm-hmm. something did not sit right with me about that day and I can't point my finger on it right now I'm sure I could back then but just something really I was not happy about and so I reached out to them and luckily she she was close to my area so she came and she pulled his feet and retrimmed him and literally she <laughs> I let him out and I was super nervous. So I had like ordered boots and things to put on, on him just in case. And he just takes off running and trotting. And I'm like, what the actual heck? Because (laughs) this horse, I mean, he couldn't walk. There were, there were times I'd have to go up and put his feed bucket right underneath wherever he was, because he just wouldn't walk to his feed. And he just takes off bucking and running. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Like, I guess we're, we're in this then, you know? Yeah. So hey, It's working. <laughs> oh yeah. So one thing that ended up happening, which, oh, like it just breaks my heart. Like, and when I think about it, it just, yeah. So what had happened, cause when I was ordering his boots to help him just transition a little better, I went out and measured his feet and he's 17, three warm blood. He had smaller feet than my 14, two quarter horse. His wow. feet were smaller than her feet. And I just, oh, like that just made me sick because his feet honestly should have been like two inches or more bigger than hers, you know, wider than hers. And his were smaller. So I ordered him these boots that could have ordered for my little tiny quarter horse. And that, and what we had found out is what had happened. And I don't think it was just my farrier because my farrier got him pretty bad, you know? So I'm not like, the farrier that I was working with, I don't think he was the cause of the problem. I think this goes back to like years and years and years of handling before, but what had been going on is instead of allowing his feet to grow, people were, you know, slapping on small shoes and then shaving his foot around the small shoe. So then he's got the shoe on and it forces you, like when you've got shoes on, they can't grow out and splay like they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. So they grow long. And so because he had too small of shoes on anyways, then when his foot's growing, it's growing down instead of out like it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. And that's just one thing I'm like, oh, I wish I could have had him, you know, when he was two for his first, you know, <laughs> trimming right. to really, to really look at that. But that's something I never would have thought, you know, I never thought about that or went, oh, isn't his feet too small for his body? I just trusted the farriers I put underneath them yeah. and was like, you'll, you'll get the job done. I trust you. It's fine. And in reality, they're doing so much damage to his feet. So we went barefoot with him and I ended up pulling and I went barefoot with everybody, which I'll share a little bit about that as we go. I don't want this to be the barefoot 
episode, but just a little bit of my experiences <laughs> there, but I ended up going barefoot with him and that gave him at least three or four more years at, well, yeah. three years, three years, I think, um, we did end up having to put him down eventually, but that gave him to where he could actually come to lessons with me and actually perform vaulting because when I first took him, I mean, that was the idea was he would be my vaulting horse. I'd instruct vaulting on him and he was so lame. I couldn't do it for the first year that I had him. So mm -hmm. the last two years I had him, he was able to be sound enough that I could put kids on him, that we could do vaulting lessons. And yeah, yeah. well, and you gave me that one vaulting lesson mm -hmm. on him and he was moving pretty good at the time. So yep, yep. Yeah, but man, he's one that I just look back and like I said, almost traumatizing. Like it was right. so horrible trying to deal with him and just trying to make him feel better and feeling so awful because he was in so much pain all the time and just never knowing like what can I do better for you? How can I how can I handle this better? I mean, he was on all the medicine and and then that was causing more issues like for his stomach and you know, so just like one thing after another for this poor horse and to have him just get a corrective shoeing and watching him be able to actually move and we could cut back on the pain medication and all of a sudden he just felt good and he would go play with the other horses and he would be like stupid you know yeah. it was just it was it was crazy for me to to yeah. just realize how much trimming actually matters right it's not yeah. just it's not just some random thing you do so yeah well and that actually um so my quote unquote corrective shoer, he he told me that he actually doesn't like the term corrective shoeing. He said all it is is balanced shoeing. Because mm -hmm. if you know how to balance a horse's feet, that then you just kind of work with that. Because yes, you do have to work with certain um things in their conformation that are different. Like some horses, their legs are crooked and things. And so mm -hmm. you have to kind of go a happy medium between where a straight-legged horse's foot would be and following the crookedness of that horse's leg. So you have to kind of find a happy medium. So yes, there is some like play with it, but he's like, right. overall, if you know how to balance a horse's foot, you can figure it out within a couple of shoeings mm -hmm. or trimmings. You can mm -hmm. find where that happy medium is with a horse. And it's just amazing how many barriers that um, don't know that basic balance. Yeah. You know, said like that one that I had to switch farriers because he actually was three horses in a row that he got off level oh. in one way or another whether it was front feet or back feet and so he just wasn't consistent with the balance he was putting on them and um, so I was running into issues like one horse it was their one of their front feet was about a half inch longer in the heel oh wow oh man and you know things that it's like if you were to walk like I can tell you firsthand walking with, I, I broke my foot at one point a few years ago. And so I walked with one of those boots for about six weeks and I tried to find a shoe that was close to what that height was, but, uh, it wasn't close enough. My hips and lower back got so sore. And so I could imagine, you know, if that horse in its front feet was half an inch higher yeah. on this one, like, and so, yeah, it was just kind of interesting realizing that like you had said before, like you just trusted your farrier and that was me. Like I just trusted that he, he was a farrier and that was mm -hmm. his job and he knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And he, it, to the best of his abilities, he was to where he is right now. Right. But I think you have to know where your farrier skills are and be able to advocate for your horse in that way and kind of 
get enough knowledge to be able to see certain things and like when your horse is off balance so that you can catch it sooner because that was the big thing for me that I've noticed with these horses that have been going sore is it's like okay I need more education on this instead of just trusting my farrier um and though my one farrier I trust him like like he's like a textbook of knowledge. Like anytime I have questions, I'm like, tell me all the things, (laughs) but like all, you know, the ones I've worked with over the last several years, definitely I'm to the point where I'm like, I, I need to be that one that advocates for them. Yeah. 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 Cause I have two separate, I guess some people might be confused here because I have my one really good chewer, but, um, he is so overbooked and doesn't have time for like you know, last minute things that I tend to get with these cults that all of a sudden they're lame and I need to Mm -hmm. get, you know, balanced shoeing or trimming work done. Um, and he just doesn't have the time to do that kind of stuff. And I don't usually have time to wait until my next cycle with him. (laughs) So I have two farriers. I have one and he does my personal horses. So I'm on his rotation. And then, Mm -hmm. um, the other farriers I've gone through have been the ones that I use for my client horses. Yeah. So, In yeah. case that clarifies it for any <laughs> listeners, I'm like, people might be like, wait, what? You've been Why do you have? have a good one? But. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. And honestly, with Camry story, I mean, the, what was this? Like just a couple months ago that all yeah. this is happening, that you're mm-hmm. having kind of that like, oh my gosh, I need to do that. So don't feel bad if you're not at that point, <laughs> because it's just, it's taken both of us kind of pretty severe situations to finally be like, oh my gosh, we need to dive in a little bit more into this. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and when it is only like one horse every once in a while, you just kind of figure that horse has maybe some underlying foot issues or like navicular or laminitis. And so you don't necessarily blame the farrier, but with me, it was three different balance issues in a row. Yeah. That was like, light bulb like okay like this is not the horse this is a little bit of the farrier and yes they're Mm -hmm. like the one horse did have a little bit of laminitis issues um but yeah so anyway it does sometimes take a minute for you to realize it's not the horse that maybe it is the farrier that Mm -hmm. is making the horse that way Right. (laughs) right and even then, um, and you, you'd said it a little bit earlier, but you do have those horses with really extreme pain tolerance where they may be like shooed, like really, really bad and they're never going to show lameness, but then you get one horse, one new horse that your farrier trims and all of a sudden that horse can't walk, you know, right. <laughs> so, but like, I know people like that too, where I am definitely a little bit more sensitive when it comes to like how my feet are placed but like my dad his feet are all wonky and he wears nothing but cowboy boots and he wears like the sides of them down so he's like this walking and oh my gosh he will never say a word right like if he were a horse he'd be that horse that's like I'm fine nothing's wrong why are you asking you know all power through it it's good (laughs) yeah so I think it is important if nothing else kind of to end this part of the spill but if nothing else get enough education that you can look and be like, oh, that seems off. Maybe mm-hmm. I should look into this a little bit further. Whether or not your horse is coming up lame, just just having enough knowledge that you can look at their feet and be like, yeah, this, this is a terrible trim <laughs> or <laughs> there's something else going on there. And I'll tell you what, you'll get that knowledge and then you won't be able to look at other people's horses' feet ever because you just can't keep your mouth shut. So... <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, and now like for the last, oh, probably how long has it been? Probably two years. 
I have been telling my clients that I prefer their horse to have at least one trimming under their belt before they come into training. If not have shoes on them, front shoes, at least when they come into training, because I did get so many horses in a row that they showed up with cracked, splayed, like dished feet. Just having that has actually changed quite a few. I still occasionally get some of those ones that they're like, oh, they're good enough. And they just think it's fine. And then the horse shows up. I'm like, oh, they're a little bit wonky. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it's probably about the last year, maybe two years that I've done that as um, in my application process to say your horse needs to have preferably two to three trimmings, but at least one um, before they come into training so that their feet aren't so horribly (laughs) behind. Um, And then it just helps me get the, those right kind of clients that do value the whole horse, Mm -hmm. the feet, the body, the, you know, all of it. So, yeah. Well, cause I could imagine that would be hard getting somebody who is more like the Cowboys I've dealt with where they would look at you and be like, why are (laughs) you looking for problems? Like my horse is fine, you know? And I'm sure you probably dealt with that, but I could see some of the Cowboys I worked with sending them to you and being like, this wacky trainer, like, why is she <laughs> expecting me to do all these things? He's been fine with one, sh- one trimming a year. Like, I don't know why she thinks I need to have him come out every eight uh, weeks. You know? <laughs> so. Oh, oh my gosh. One of the funniest, okay. Not funny. Weirdest things I heard from a client, uh, actually more than one client in slightly different, uh, ways of saying it. They said they preferred to have Colt ridden lame because then they don't buck or bolt as much because they're sore. What? <laughs> I was like, excuse me? Like, do you realize how hard it is to get quality forward motion? Like, would you want to go for a jog if your feet hurt? Absolutely yeah. not. Like, you want me to beg this horse to move when it hurts? Like, what? Well, and I don't know, to me, I'm like, isn't it the opposite? I feel like any of the horses I've ever had buck, it's always been because there's a lameness issue. It's never been... Yeah because the horse is just a bucker like any of the colts that I've ridden who have bucked me off it's been because like one in particular her feet were squampus like this I know you can't see me so I don't know how to explain it but almost pigeon-toed and mm-hmm. so anytime you asked her for the lope she she just buck and buck and buck but she was fine any other way and it was just putting enough pressure on those tendons and things that I think it was just hurting her yeah. And then another horse that bucked me off at your place, he had like muscle spasms, you know? Oh, and, yeah. And oh, I I'm forgot like, about that. Yeah. So I'm like, it is, it's interesting to me that people would think that riding them lame would make them not want to buck you off. I feel yeah, like well, he ended up, we, he got diagnosed that one you were talking about with mm-hmm. EPM. Yeah. And we didn't know it at the time because, you know, we were just starting him. And, and then like after that, we were like, well, wait a minute, like what's There's going on? Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he went home and he had EPM. So yeah. anyway, but yep. it was so interesting to me. Oh, I know. I remember that. It was so funny <laughs> because you're like over there working this other horse. And I just, I remember because Thea was outside, your girl was outside. And I uh-huh. told her a couple of times, like, hey, you need to go over there you know, like while yeah. I'm working this horse and then he starts bucking. So while he's bucking, I'm like, where's Thea? Where's Thea? Like, <laughs> is she out of the way? And then I'm just like, you know, and I'm pulling him around and it was, I think the interesting thing about this horse, because of how he was bucking, like it was just different. Like, yeah, he got a little scared, which made him tense. And then he started bucking, but then he would calm down and stop bucking. 
and then he'd go to move and then he'd buck again and that's kind of what started that like role of okay what else is going on with this horse yeah and then finally he just ended up falling over and I just rolled off I was like okay well that was interesting and you were like oh are you done riding him already I, like, I know I look over and you're standing on the ground next to him and I was like what has happened <laughs> you're like what are you doing I'm like oh yeah he just bucked me off you're like what <laughs> He more like rolled you off after. The yeah, he more <laughs> more rolled me off. <laughs> oh, it was funny. Oh. I know because he was such a good one. Anyways, what? that's like a tangent, but <laughs> overall, guys, get some education, learn about your horse's feet, um, and then I wanted to go in and share a little bit of my experience just working with my own horse's feet, because man, it's given me such a empathy for farriers more than I ever had before. After my warm blood and, and things, I just went barefoot with everybody um, because I saw such big improvement in him. I was like, okay, I'm going to try it with everybody. Let's see how it goes. Because I also wasn't very happy with how my my mare's feet were starting to look. And I'd get the farrier out every eight weeks with her. And he there's some weeks he's like, oh, she doesn't need to be done. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, no, she, she doesn't grow very fast. I'm like, she seems really long to me, you Uh know? And so, so I had this lady come out and look at her feet too, the same time that she did my warm bloods. And she's like, he didn't trim this horse. Like, no, she takes the shoe off and she's able to take off like two inches off of her feet, you know? And I'm like, yeah, okay, we're done. (laughs) You know. So anyways, I decided to go barefoot with them. And with this lady, she mentored me through okay how to trim them and my gosh it was the scariest thing ever because you're always scared of ruining them you know like mm-hmm. like that one farrier just a little bit off and it can it can cause a lot of issues mm-hmm. so it took a long time for me to be really confident in it to buy my first set of clippers because I was like okay I will never clip I'll just rasp because that's just a little bit safer right you know yeah. <laughs> and then after my confidence built up you know got my clippers and now I clip and do do it all myself but, and I just shared this with Camry yesterday because I was so excited. <laughs> so, so my horses have been 100% barefoot. So my mare, um, my, my Mustang has always been barefoot. He's never had shoes on. And then um, my mare, I, I transitioned her out of having shoes since she was, since she could be trimmed too. Now she's barefoot. And it was so cool. So I did preliminary pictures of her when I first started her barefoot and and did measurements and things because I bought her boots and then yesterday I was like I kind of wonder we're talking about hooves like I wonder like if if her hooves have changed that much like her boots don't fit as well like they're a little bit tighter so so I've Mm -hmm. kind of had an inkling that they've probably grown a little bit and oh my gosh it was so cool to see and so I sent camera all of my geeky pictures <laughs> but I was like look at all these Every look tape at the, and the ankles yeah <laughs> I was like look at this but it was crazy because her frog has widened and what did I say like an inch and a half yeah. wider than what it was before her foot has widened a half an inch and then the angles of her feet are more in alignment with each other than they were before yeah. Because they were like what ten degrees off from each other, yeah. or close to it. Yeah, first time from the left side to the right, or the outside of the hoof to the inside of the hoof. Yep, yep. Yeah. And now they're like almost exactly the same, with maybe one or two degrees of variance. And so that to me, I'm like, okay, we're going in the right direction because 
she's able to grow like she needs to her frog is looking healthy and growing and granted the pictures i sent her i sent camry her feet are a little dry right now but (laughs) (laughs) other than that everything is is going the way we want it was just it was helpful for me to be like okay i'm going in the right direction you know my horse is super happy and healthy too and doesn't have any lameness issues um it doesn't have issues but i do boot her and i wanted to talk a little bit about that because um that was one of the big deterrents for me going barefoot was I mm-hmm. ride, especially my mare a lot. And at the time that I was transitioning her to barefoot, she was going 30, 40 miles a week. And I'm like, ah, like she can't do that just barefoot. Right. Because they can wear their foot out with yeah. enough, with enough movement. And that's something to be aware of is your horse's foot is not a rock. Some people I feel like think that their horse's feet are rocks. They're not rocks like and even if they were rocks rocks still wear if you rub it you know enough over and over and over again so just remembering that hey they do wear out anyways so ordered her some boots and I decided to go with the scoop boots which I'm really glad I did because I have never had those come off they fit like a glove where before the boots I had dealt with they were clompy you know and the horses would kick rocks into them and they would fall off and they were just a pain so definitely have mud if you're ever going through water on a oh. ride. yep <laughs> yep. yep and with my scoop boots I have never had that problem and I do have extra straps for those too if we are going through super bad mud but that has made a big difference is having boots that fit as well um so I don't worry about her wearing out her actual foot as we're going mm-hmm. along um but that's just a little bit about kind of my transition into there. So anyways, I have started trimming them on myself and by golly, like it, I have so much empathy for years now <laughs> because one, I am slower than molasses to get these horses done. And it, I mean, it takes me a good hour per horse, like, and Hey, it used to take me too. So I've cut off an hour, um, <laughs> but it does take me a long time. And I, you know, and then to just have that eye to see, okay, mm-hmm. have I imbalanced anything? Okay, what does this look like? How can I make sure that the foot itself looks good? And then taking that step back and making sure both feet look good. It is very, yeah. very hard. And let me tell you what, even though my horses are fairly good, I mean, they have their issues, but any movement that they do, it really does hurt. Like when I am done, I that's all I do for my day, you know, when I'm trimming yeah. my feet because it wears my back out, it wears my shoulders out, it wears everything out. It is very, very hard to be underneath there. And it is very, very easy to lose your temper, even if the horse just shifts their weight a little bit more on top of you. So it's given me a lot of um empathy and sympathy for the farriers. Mm-hmm. Um, as they've come in, I'm like, okay, I I can definitely see why some farriers tend to be a little bit more aggressive. Like I can see why they do tend to lose their temper because it is hard when you're in that situation where you've got this 800 pound animal leaning on you, you're trying to get their foot done. Then they try to take their foot away from you, you know, and it just, it's jarring. And when you're in pain and when you're trying to bear through the pain, it's very hard to be very patient. So I just wanted to say that as well. Do you have anything to add to that? No, I think just appreciate your fair, like you're saying. And then like some of the specifics of, um, I think for the last thing would be the specifics of how to prepare your horse for the farrier. So we've talked about yes. make sure to prepare your horse, but right, we haven't given any hows. Uh, so part of it is you can use, like we talked about in one of our previous episodes, using a little bit of positive reinforcement. 
mm-hmm. um, with treats. But with that being said, like if your horse isn't familiar with treats, don't have treats out the first time the farrier is there because your horse will sit there and lean and try and grab the treats. So unless you have a horse that will like not try and mug you and lean and grab for treats, <laughs> don't do that like the first time you're farrier. Right. But use it to help shape a horse that has maybe had bad farrier experiences in the past and needs some like, oh, I get treats when my feet are handled instead of them just being like, I'm terrified. And like, uh, anytime I get uncertain, I'm going to try to yank my foot away. Um, that positive reinforcement can help. And then as well, just build duration, which mm-hmm. is kind of what I'm working on with my little six month old right now is uh, little Zaya. She, she picks up all her feet. Great. She'll hold them up for a few seconds, but to hold them for very long, you know, she's young, she gets, you know, squirrel and like distractions. <laughs> um, and so we're just building duration of, okay, can you hold your foot up for a little bit longer and a little bit longer? Um, and so that she can be a little bit more prepared. So you'll just have them hold it for 30 seconds and then have them hold it for 45 seconds mm-hmm. and have them hold it a little bit longer and then give it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the one thing that a lot of farriers do that actually works against, and and this is something you should do. This isn't something the farrier should actually have to do as much, maybe for the first trim on a colt or something, um, but is (laughs) the horse will fight to try and take their foot away. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as the horse relaxes and stops fighting, the farrier goes back to work. Right. Instead of setting the foot down and being like, oh, good job. Thanks for giving it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's something you should be doing as the owner at home is teaching that horse, you know, when you stand there with it nicely, you get a release yeah. and then just increasing, um, increasing how long they need to hold it. So mm-hmm. maybe if the first time they started pulling was at 15 seconds of holding it up, then release a few times once they give it back, but then expect them to go 25 seconds or mm-hmm. go a little longer um, before you give it back. So maybe they jerk it a couple of times and then you don't give it back until the duration is a little bit longer. Things like that um, to just teach your horse that you, they, you don't want them to fight because it actually, you know, it's like they give the, their foot back to the farrier, but then they don't get a release for it. They get more pressure, on. More yeah. they're a little uncertain about. So they're like, yeah. well, why did I give that back? <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's, yeah, you have to work with your horse. Yes. 100%. <laughs> have a farrier especially for those ones like I said the first couple times it is going to be a little bit of a new experience for your horse Mm -hmm. and it is going to be a little bit different having it be a farrier which with some horses that have a little bit of trust issues with humans or with certain humans can be a little different having a farrier that they don't know um, come and do it so I also recommend like have your farrier like pet your horse if your horse is that type that like gets nervous about the human in general um because the one horse that is that way, if she doesn't have the farrier kind of say hello first, she won't stand very well for them. Mm-hmm. If the farrier comes and, and, you know, says hello to her and like engages with her muzzle for a minute, pets her on the neck, then she'll stand like a princess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, just know your horse, know certain tendencies, talk with your farrier about that so that he knows, because there's no way for your farrier to know if you don't tell them like Mm -hmm. and just say hey you know my horse needs a little break here can you give him a little break so right which um what was your you had something in the notes about like carpet oh yes I'm going to talk about that in just a second um but I wanted to go on with what you were saying as well because for me um and I don't know if 
I'm sure there's people out there who are like me. My anxiety sometimes when I have a professional come to my house, I don't want to tell them what to do. Right. Right. Like that is my like, well, I mean, they're a professional. I don't want to be like, here, how, how's this is how to do your job. But when you put it into the place of, Hey, I want to make sure my horse is comfortable. So the whole situation can just be better. That mm-hmm. is a helpful reframe of that. And it's yeah. a good sign that if your farrier is like, what, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get my job done. That's probably a good sign that, Hey, you probably don't want to have them back. Like, yeah. you know, So just something, something there for somebody who might have a little bit more anxiety about telling somebody what to do. Um, well, it's more of what to do with your horse's behavior than no, exactly. with the feet, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you have to be able to look at the feet as well there, but you know, your horse, they don't know your horse. Exactly. Well, so exactly. <laughs> exactly. And if you're ever, if you're watching something and you're ever unsure, always come at it from a point of view of, Hey, teach me because everyone wants to teach you a little something of what they're doing because everyone likes mm-hmm. to talk about what they're doing and, and what they do. So instead of like, if you notice something, you go, why are you doing that? Like, that's going to get a very different response going, Oh, Hey, could you, could you explain to me like what you're doing here? I just am so curious. If you come at it from that point of view, Absolutely. you're going to get that, which like, if you're ever unsure about something, maybe they can back it up and they can tell, well, this is why I'm doing it. But sometimes too, like there are times it's helpful for me because I get stuck in my processes of A, B, C, D, like here's what I'm doing. But if somebody stops me and goes, hey, could you explain to me? Like, I'm just really curious about this. I can look at it and go, oh yeah, well, this is why I'm doing it. But actually I, I, I did this one too high. So I'm going to take it down a little bit more because mm-hmm. that just stops that process a little bit. So if you ever notice something like that, that's also a way to approach it. Yeah. And it gets um, the brain yeah thinking through it you know when you teach something you always get more I feel like every time you teach something you learn more about what oh yes <laughs> yes so kind of same thing. yes 100 percent. and then going along with what you're saying like positive reinforcement I'm 100 percent positive reinforcement that's what I do with my horses when specifically with their feet that's why I started positive reinforcement training with them was because for me to be able to trim their feet I needed to be able to like I needed them to have a positive experience there. So they did stand better for me because it it does take a lot out of me to trim their feet. Mm-hmm. So with like what Camry was saying, give that, give that release of pressure as well. But one thing that I have found too is when I'm underneath them and I'm holding them and they're holding really, really good. And let's say like they're holding their foot for a full two minutes. I'll go ahead and give them a treat. Like I don't have to just give them a treat just like in the, in the moment of doing something, like it's not just when they relax, it's like, Hey, you've stayed relaxed for a really long time. Oh yes. You know, here's a treat. And that has actually really changed my horse's attitude about trimming. Cause it's like, Oh, this is my time that I get to have treats, you know, like, so it's changed. And, but kind of going along with what you said, I've also worked with my horses long enough that they know not to mug me. Like they're not going to come over and nip at my butt until I give them a treat, you know, because Because I've I've done the work beforehand to make sure like, hey, no, nope, they only get treats when their head's in a certain position or when after like my clicking sound, like that's the only time that they're getting treats there, you know, so it's not, it's not completely random. The timing might be a little bit more random, but there is a signal. There is, there is that target of, hey, treats are coming. And anytime before then you do not get treats unless that target has been met or, or has been, yeah. up, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. Um, okay. So my carpet hack, this has been a lifesaver for me <laughs> and something <laughs> that I'm like, okay, guys, if you're somewhere in the desert and it's dry all the time, I cannot tell you how hard it is to cut through your horse's feet. What, like with my clippers, with my knife, it's like scraping rock if their feet yeah. get hard enough. And that's something too. It's like, Hey, well, you're going to expect your farrier to come and you're hoping they'll get them done really quick. But then your horse's feet are like rocks and they're having to sit there and really clip through it, which also puts more pressure on the horse because mm -hmm. they're really having to like tighten everything. So one thing I have found is take an old carpet and take a hose and soak that carpet like full of water and then tie your horse so they're standing on the carpet for at least a half an hour before your farrier gets there and it'll soften up their feet. So when nice. they go to clip, it's so much easier. And this like seriously has saved my life this summer. So if I know I'm, I'm trimming feet that day, I'll go soak up my carpet, tie my horses on the carpet. And I, I have a big enough carpet that it soaks all four feet and it's big enough that if they move side to side, they're not getting out of the carpet. Um, yeah. So they're for sure getting soaked, but oh my gosh, that has been a lifesaver this summer because it just really brings that moisture back into there. It softens things up. And it's something that wouldn't be a bad idea to just have. Like I've been trying to figure out if I could put it like by their feeders or something in the summer. So when they yeah. go to eat, they're, they're getting a little bit more moisture in their, in their hooves. But that seriously, if you, you, cause you can pick up an old carpet from like DI that's yeah. like 10 bucks and I, you know, I don't care if it gets dirty. So it's out there full of dirt, you know, yeah. but, but I just have it where I normally tie them and then they can sit on that. And it's been very, very helpful. So just, just something, if you've got warmer, drier weather, that yeah. would be very helpful for your, for your farriers. Uh, so you got to love Facebook reels, right. Um, and Instagram, uh, I saw someone's hack to help with that, with the really rock hard hooves. I took a blowtorch to the bottom of the hoof and I was like, whoa <laughs> so like I'm not recommending that but I was like wow like I saw that and that's I like, interesting like, yeah careful about how much heat you put down there you oh yeah I wouldn't do that to my horses just because yeah. because I trim my horses every three weeks like they don't have very much overgrowth but I can see that working with with one that's got quite a bit of overgrowth a ton of length yeah mm -hmm. but, but oh interesting yeah, like, well I don't know like what horse would like tolerate that like sound that <laughs> I mean that would definitely take a lot more work <laughs> training wise even with my carpet it it took me a day or not a day, but it took me a few minutes to get my mare, especially my mare, because she doesn't tolerate water very well. She doesn't like it. <laughs> so for her to be like, you want my feet to be wet? It took me like a little bit. Like I definitely didn't just put her onto the carpet, pull her on and tie her up. It was like, hey, come here. And I'm just going to sit here with you and you get some treats while you're standing on the wet carpet because she doesn't like it at first. My gelding, he tolerates whatever. So <laughs> he was fine. But um. But that did take a little bit of training too. Like, it's not something that was just super, like, she just hopped right on and it was fine. I mean, she was fine with it after like a minute, but it did take a little bit of prepping. Like, I wouldn't just go and tie up your horse and be like, okay, there you go. <laughs> so I just, I just mentioned, like, I trim my horse every three weeks um, or three to four. And I know we've been talking about like eight week trimming cycle. So I would like your opinion on that. Um, yeah. Like how often do you have your horses cycled through and, and why, what are your reasonings behind it? So most of my horses are in shoes. 
Um, and we get them done about every seven to eight weeks. And I actually, the ones that I have being trimmed, I'm actually starting to cycle at like six or seven weeks <laughs> because I've noticed they start getting a little too long and getting more breakage. And I'm actually thinking about doing like my own little um, mini, like just shaping the outside edge kind of a thing mm-hmm. um, so that it, it stays good until he comes again. So I might even just still keep them at that eight weeks and then just do my own little mini version of it in between with the, like right. I said, with my ones that are trimmed, which are um, one of my client horses and then one of my personal horses. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, it's the, the eight weeks. Sometimes it depends on the time of year and how fast their feet are growing, but they will get pretty long um, mm-hmm. by eight weeks. And that's why I'm like, oh, I'm kind of leaning more towards like six, yeah, seven. So even with the ones with shoes, they last okay till eight. Um, but it's not that much more of an expense to do them at six than it is eight. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it is, but it's not. Yeah. And that that's a big piece is the expense because it can be expensive. Mm-hmm. giving farriers out and that's one thing like I yeah I have my horses trimmed every three to four weeks but I do the trimming myself it's not like I'm putting a hundred bucks down granted it's an all-day project <laughs> you yeah. know almost but um I have noticed especially since my horses are bare feet after any longer than four weeks their walls come out too much to where I will start seeing chips or Mm -hmm. um, their bars come out too much where it's putting pressure on and they'll get a little bit sore. So yeah, I definitely like shorter trims, but I have been kind of thinking back at like when I, when I had horses and shoes, it was every eight weeks, but Mm -hmm. like you said, I mean, they got quite a bit of length there. And then I don't know, I've been having such a hard time Camry because, because of how Gabe's feet were so mm-hmm. squished it was like you know like you know those Chinese wrapping techniques that's how it was yeah and so sometimes I'm like I I don't know so I I kind of want to get your your thoughts because I also watched a video that somebody had posted on Facebook of like oh this is the longest foot I've ever trimmed and it was somebody who left a foot on for probably months right like this is probably like that person who, who doesn't get them done until every six months or something but there was like I'm that much hoof um so like six yeah, inches like of six, just yeah of growth so he's having to take off a lot but it just reminded me so much of Gabe's because I mean yeah there's six inches of growth but it's all down mm-hmm. and squished and that horse's yeah. frog was super little and the frog is super important and I don't want to get too much into things but but it was interesting watching that and I just I went on a walk after watching that with my husband I'm like I just don't know if I can ever go to shoes again and a lot of it's because I was so traumatized by Gabe's story um, yeah. and I don't think that shoes are wrong but I've been thinking about that and I'm like, how can we, like, how do you think we could use shoes? And you're not a professional, I'm not. So I just want your like ideas or thoughts or whatever. But so it doesn't squish the foot because even with Sandy's shoes and her shoes, like it wasn't like her foot was completely shaped to the shoe per se, but it did stunt some of her growth, like her frog growth and her, and like her, her foot's ability to expand. So I'm just, I'm, I'm interested to see if you have any thoughts around that. Yeah. So actually, so my really good farrier, a few times he has done some of my client horses, um, when timing and things have allowed <laughs> and when I've needed some corrective shoeing and he has said they have put too small a shoe on this horse. And he's like, I went up one or two sizes mm-hmm. in shoe. So I think it depends on the farrier because I have had very few 
few and far between lameness issues with my personal horses that are done by this particular farrier. Right. Because he is very good at what he does. He puts the right size shoe on there so that they don't shrink down to the shoe. He puts it big enough. Um, but even with that, um, my mare Freya that has the full on her side right now, uh, I've had her barefoot because she doesn't need shoes when she's pregnant. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, so I've had her barefoot for quite a while and she's a small horse. She's like 14, two or three. And she always had pretty small feet. And, um, but I've had shoes on her because she's been in work since I've had her for right. three years. Um, so she's had shoes on that whole time. And with her being barefoot, um, both me and my farrier have said, wow, like she looks, her feet look so much better. Mm-hmm. They have expanded. And he's like, I think by the time we put shoes back on, we'll probably be up a size from where we were before. Yeah. Um, and so she's expanded, but she's expanded not in a way of, cause I think some people think expanding and they think those dished. Oh yeah. No. Out no. Feet. And I'm like, no, right. not that kind of spread. It's a different kind of spread, right. right. Where, where they still have, um, they don't have that dish. They have like a straighter mm-hmm. line down there. <laughs> there right. Well, there. well uh, it's, so, yeah. yeah, no, sorry. So just, I, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to keep her barefoot as we like interrupt each other with the zoom. I know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been interesting to see the difference in her feet being barefoot. So. Yeah. Well, and kind of just to go along, like, it's not like the wall is spread, right? It's the whole mm-hmm. foot is a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. So there's, cause there's, there is a difference between the foot being wide because the walls have been allowed to splay out and yeah. the foot just actually growing wider because it's been allowed to. So yeah, very interesting. I, I'm like, I'm actually kind of excited that, that you have her barefoot and you're noticing that change. Cause I didn't I know. know that. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so another but one I of those kooky think, things. <laughs> yeah. I do think that shoes can be done successfully. I, oh, yeah. I think with the right barrier and with someone that's not going to shrink their feet down. Um, as long as you're not having growth issues with a horse's feet, I think shoes can be great. I think if you're having growth issues, barefoot is probably a better option because it does encourage more growth and more spread to be barefoot. Um, but I definitely don't think it's like, oh, barefoot's the only thing or oh, shoeing's the only thing. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on the horse and the situation and, and what that horse's feet are doing. So yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I'm I'm team both. I'm team like whatever works for the horse (laughs) for sure. And for me right now, barefoot is the story, but that doesn't mean that even just a few months from now that shoes might be a better option. But yeah, it's just, it it is interesting. And we definitely are going to have to have a farrier or somebody on here so we can kind of pick their brain about some of these questions I have. Cause I'm like, (laughs) is there like, should we just not shoe for a little bit so they can get that growth? Like, how can we, how can we make it so they so we support that hoof growth and that hoof health, as well as still being able to have shoes. Because right now I'm just in that space of, of, well, I just, I don't trust any farrier enough right now. Like I haven't found one that I trust, like you trust yours mm-hmm. to be able to be like, yes, come out and tack a shoe on my horse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just me right now. My, and especially just with my past experiences of being like super cautious. <laughs> so like right yeah. now it is the right answer for me to just keep them barefoot because I know that they're getting the right growth. They are healthy. They're happy. Um, but like, if I were to find somebody who was more like your guy, who I really trusted and who was really like knowledgeable, who'd kind of like was able to talk to me about what he's doing, show me how he's helping the foot then I, I would probably go back to shoes because I don't love, like, I do not like trimming 
myself. It's not something <laughs> I enjoy. It's one of those, like the moment I can find somebody like your guy where I'm like, okay, I trust you. I know that you're doing it right. You're coming with a solid mind. I probably will switch back just because it is very hard to trim. <laughs> it's not yeah. fun. <laughs> so. oh, and it's one more thing that takes, like you said, a whole day for to do all your horses. So yes, yes. Something less on the to-do list, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. And right now it's worth it because I know they're being done correctly. And if I ever have questions, I've got like mentors and, and people to reach out to who can yeah. help show me like, okay, no, this is off and here's how to fix it. Um, so I have that to back me up. If I didn't have that, there's no way I'd be doing it myself. Um, yeah. <laughs> but well, and you and can even use one thing to make a quick mention of too, before we're done is you can use, there's apps that will help measure those mm. things on your horse. Mm -hmm. If you like, cause you know, like you said, you don't have a trained eye. You can't always eyeball it in the beginning because you don't know what you're looking for. So you can find those apps that will measure angles and degrees and, and lengths and all of that with your horse's feet. So, yes, yes. I love it. And there's so many Facebook groups out there too, with all the different kind of styles, um, which we can probably link to the one that I love and I follow for myself and that my mentor started was, uh, it's like hoof barefoot horses or something like that. I'll link to it, but I've really liked them because it opens it up for discussion and you constantly see like their markups, their thoughts on different scenarios. And like, if you look far enough, you'll find my, my post about my horse. Um, and then there's another one that I don't mind either. That's like T-A-C-T. And there's just so many different things out there. So look to ones that you like that seem to be a good fit for you and your horse. And they're very knowledgeable there as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, I think we have talked long and hard about this topic. So <laughs> we could probably be done. Uh, there's always like, I feel like every topic, it's going to be like this where I'm like, we could talk for another hour and a half if you want. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but we probably should wrap it up. So is there anything else that you would like to add? or talk about before we just sign off? Um, let's do a thank you for all the farriers out there oh. that have had to tolerate all the horrible horses in the world. Thank you, yes. farriers. Yes. <laughs> Not horrible horses, bad behaved horses. <laughs> <laughs> Poor behaviors. <laughs> no, 100%. And like I said at the beginning, this is not us saying that, you know, that we don't like fairies or whatever. It's just our experiences. Maybe you can pull from them. Maybe you've had similar experiences and maybe, maybe you can learn from something that we've been through or, or be able to just see and, and explore something new. Um, but yes, farriers are amazing. And just the amount of work that they do for such little appreciation is, yeah. is crazy. So thank yeah. a farrier for yeah. sure. <laughs> Go thank your farrier if your horses are sound. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Bring him some gifts next time. Maybe give him like a raise. Give him some tips. And guys, like tip your farriers. Oh yeah. Tip your farrier, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially like if your horse is a butthead, tip your farrier. Give yeah. him what it's worth to put up with your horse. And you know what it's worth because you've hopefully out of all of this, you know, that you should be underneath your horse too. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so you should know that they're, they're, they're a pain. So tip your farrier. Thank you for listening to the horsewoman project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at the horsewoman project at gmail.com links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. 
talk to you next week.